my name is Roy Samuelson. What can you expect when you get inside an interior that's completely unexpected? The DirecTV Genie, an HD DVR so advanced, your every TV wish is granted. We are Intel. I'm a voiceover artist. Sponsors of tomorrow. That's up next, right here with me, T. Reed, your host and producer of this podcast, Read My Mind Radio. In 2018, I published some thoughts on audio description. That was followed up with an additional conversation on the subject. Today, we're continuing this exploration of audio description, or AD. This time, from the perspective of voiceover artist and AD narrator, Roy Samuelson. First, Roy answers the question, what exactly is a voiceover? Voiceover is anything that you hear with a voice. In a video game, a character that's, that's talking, a commercial where someone's introducing a product, a promo where there's a, a TV show being advertised and um, someone's introducing when it's going to be on and on what channel. As a kid in school, Roy and his class was assigned the task of interviewing anyone they wanted. I wanted to interview someone at the radio station. When I went there, one of the first things the announcer showed me was how to angle the mic so that the peas don't pop. And I thought that was the most amazing thing I had ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> you know, just this, this little adjustment could make such a big difference. So my curiosity was definitely started then. That curiosity, along with some additional experience, helped lead Roy to voiceover. In his early 20s, he landed a job with then Disney's MGM Studios theme park in Orlando, Florida. I would take over as a gangster and take the audience through all the scary scenes in movies. I'd have a microphone and in between shooting things, I'd be narrating what was going on around the place. Every, I guess, six to eight minutes, I'd get blown up and start the thing again. So it kind of became an exercise in just building the skill of, of talking to people who are paying attention to the story that they're seeing. That kind of introduced me to, to voiceover. What makes a good voiceover artist? There's a bunch of different opinions. I like to see voiceover as a form of acting. It's a character, whether it's a narrator, a character in a cartoon, or even just a commercial, that it's a character telling a story and being a part of a story and sharing that with people. Do you have a background in acting as well? I do, yeah. I took a lot of improv classes and had a lot of opportunities on, on stage, and that's really helped a lot. That acting experience eventually landed Roy in a scriptwriter's group. These meetings brought together professional screenwriters seeking feedback from actors who would cold read their scripts, meaning there was no preparation on the part of the actors. We would read the characters and read the description, and then afterward, the feedback was all about the writing. So the spotlight was definitely on the, on the script and not the actors. And I found that so enjoyable that, you know, I could play and I could have fun and do these ice cold readings without a lot of preparation. And the more times I practiced it, the more experienced I got with cold reading. When I found out about audio description, it seemed like a real segue from what I had been doing in the script rights and, and even as far back as that Disney job, along with all the other voiceover work that I've been doing. It felt like a right fit. So how did you actually find out about audio description? 
a friend of mine referred me and I didn't literally knock on the door, but I knocked on the door for about two or three years, just letting them know I was available and strongly interested. And the response was, well, you know, we're kind of booked up right now. We've got everyone we need, but thank you for checking in. It wasn't a brush off. It was just, that's where it was. And every now and again, there'd be an opportunity to come in where I could fill in for someone. And I did. And it was so exciting and so much fun. And I said, thank you so much. Any other time, please let me know. Oh, sure. We'll let you know. And another year passed. It took a little while. In order to get better insight on how audio description is made, I asked Roy to walk us through the process from his perspective. I guess the process is the scripts are pre-written by, they're called describers. I call myself a narrator, an audio description narrator. The scripts come to me in it, obviously, are the words that I say. And there's a bunch of cues that tell me when I say what I say. For example, a cue could be a time code where I'm watching the screen and reading the script at the same time. And on the screen, there's a, there's a time code. It's just you know, like a stopwatch. And when it gets to a certain point in time, that's my cue to start talking. There's also visual cues or audio cues. Sometimes it's the last few words of a line of dialogue that a character is saying. It could be even a pause in between a long section that I'm speaking, or you know, first two sentences, and then there's a two or three second pause before I start speaking again. So there's all sorts of different cues that they use. Process makes production efficient, but it can also unintentionally exclude people from participating. Visual cues, for example, could limit a blind audio description narrator's ability to independently function in such a position. When I asked if laying down all of the voiceover work and editing at the appropriate time positions was an option, Roy explained further. That could be a way. I'm on a few one-hour shows, and when we're all in sync and the script is ready, we're able to finish in about an hour. They give me four hours total, just in case something could come up. For the most part, it's pretty close to real time. Watching over the entire recording process is the AD director. Familiar with the script, they're listening for any mistakes, including mispronunciations and time overlaps. So you're sitting there watching the time code and reading the script. What happens if you go a little longer? Is it just a, okay, take two? If there's one line where I'm, I didn't speak quickly enough and the last few words or maybe even the last few syllables are spilling over to dialogue, well, as, as you know, that's not fun for an audience member. It's like, you kind of don't want the, uh, the dialogue to be interrupted by someone describing what's happening. So uh, they do their best to, to adjust it either by having me go a little faster or they try to change the words or they can even slip the audio that I recorded and make it slide in to fit just perfectly. It's really neat. Fully aware that Roy's responsibility in the process is voicing the narration, I still had to ask. How do they determine which narrator is right for a movie? or for a project? That's a great question. I'm learning that I'm definitely on the action adventure horror side of things. Um, you know, with uh, with Criminal Minds, uh, the upcoming girl in the spider's web, the, uh, the Spectre, uh, Jurassic World. I mean, this is kind of the genre that it's uh, it's pretty narration heavy. And I do my best to go as quickly as possible without sounding fast. I've done some other projects that are more wonderful in the sense of awe-inspiring, kind of take it all in sort of thing. Those are the sorts of things that I'm cast. That's something that they know I can do. And I would think that the people that make the decision, it makes it easier for them. Oh, yeah, and this is something that Roy's already done before. One that I talked about, and this was my, my personal opinion, was Black Panther. So 
Black Panther ended up being voiced by what sounds like a, a British white man. Oh. And for me as the consumer, I thought it was a little disruptive sure. to the whole feel and aura of Yeah, the absolutely. I ended up hearing from some other people who said that same British person voiced uh, Captain America. They were like, I didn't like the fact that it was a British guy voicing Captain America. Like people felt a little bit, uh, you know, upset by that. What is taken into consideration when these choices are made? Oh, it's so exciting. I have so many things I want to talk with you about with this. Okay. I remember there was a quote by Shonda Rhimes where she talked about normalizing instead of diversifying. I'm seeing so many female voices, uh, people of color voices. There's all sorts of opportunities. And I hate to say it, the stereotypical white male voice that has been so common is now not as common, which is great. I think there's many more opportunities for different voices to, to be in this. And I think it can only help the story. I think you named two really great examples that when you're in a story, you don't want to be interrupted. It's like that's the story that you want to be in. So when the audio description comes, it, it shouldn't be out of left field. I do think that these companies are more aware of the content of the story being told, and they're taking a lot of consideration into that. That's really good to hear. One of my complaints in terms of the, the script and how things are, are determined, what are you going to describe? So if I go back to Black mm -hmm. Panther, there was a very interesting thing that I found out just because it was being discussed. It was not included in the description at all. It came up like months after on a radio program I was listening to. They went into more description about the spaceship. I guess in one of the angles when their ship came down, they said how it resembled an African mask. Mm -hmm. They all look different, but I know I get the, I get a real sense mm -hmm. of that. Plus the fact that the spaceship was created like that. That blew my mind, but I never got access to that. Uh, so there was a decision mm -hmm. made. Someone didn't think that was important. So this is why I'm always wondering, well, at some point it seems to me like the writers of the description should be the writers of the movie. Oh, I see. They have mm -hmm. the vision, right? The director, they're the ones making these decisions. Mm -hmm. And so some of that information of what they want that consumer to feel, whoever that consumer is, blind or sighted, that should be passed along. And so I always wonder, is are there conversations being had between the audio description company and the actual producers and writers of the film? And it doesn't seem like it. Maybe on like an independent? I'm not sure which film it was, but I know it was a big budget film. They definitely cared enough to make sure that the audio description was heard and they brought in the team. I was brought back and recorded some lines that were very nuanced. So I think there is a genuine care for the audience for audio description. I'm not going to make a generalized blanket statement on that, but I think there are people that are involved outside of audio description that still want to care about the things that you're talking about. And I'm not sure if uh, Haunting of Hill House on Netflix is described. There's an element of of that series. After 10 episodes, I, I was kind of familiar with the, the storyline. There was an element that was shared online that as soon as I heard it, it was so obvious. It was one of those things that's like, oh, wow, I didn't even notice that. But I think what you're talking about, back to the Black Panther spaceship, is that with audio description, we are limited to, you know, if a picture is worth a thousand words and there's 24 frames per second, you know, it's like, it, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not defending it, but it, it definitely is selected. You know, the audio description is 
by its very nature limited. And I'd be curious if there is a way to, to have, I'm just brainstorming here, like outtakes or something else that kind of goes deeper into the story to allow those sorts of visual elements and how exciting that would be. I think there is. For the audio description experience, part of it is so, so frustrating. And it has nothing to do with, with what you all are doing. It's the technical side. When you go to a movie theater, chances are they're giving you either the wrong device or the device doesn't work. So you have to run back over, find a manager. And, and in my case, it's always my wife. She moves a lot faster than I'm going to move. So she's doing it. Boom, boom, boom. And I feel terrible. I feel awful because she's missing that part of the movie. But she doesn't want me to experience it without it. There's all this time during the promos. Those aren't described. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm usually bored. It would also be a test of the technology because if the right track is coming through that's telling you about the movie, then you know your, yes. your, your stuff is working. Wow. Is working. Uh -huh. This is exactly what they do in a show, like a Broadway show. They introduce you to the cast beforehand. They describe their costumes. They let you get acclimated to their voices. Mm -hmm. They'll describe the set. All of that's done before the show. Wow. So oh, that's like, hey, so cool. Why not yeah. put that out beforehand? Oh. Yes, the movie is limited to that time, but the experience really does go past that time. Wow. Listening back to our conversation, I realized a few things. First, I think I get a little enthusiastic about the subject. Secondly, I refer to the issues encountered in theaters when using AD only as a technical problem. And while, yes, sometimes the problems arise from the technology, more than often I feel as though the problems stem from uninformed theater workers. I'm still trying to figure out why when you let them know you're blind and you want to use the audio description device, they translate that to mean you want the device for the hearing impaired. Come to find out, Roy is familiar with this faulty part of the process. My mom wanted to, uh, to watch a a screening with some audio description and the same thing happened where it, it didn't work. And the exciting thing with that is that the, uh, the manager found out, apologized profusely. You know, it's like it was a, they said it was a glitch. They fixed it. Uh, there's other kinds of technology that's coming out. I, I, uh, I want to say ActiveView. Yes, sir. ActiveView is the app that allows audio description consumers as well as those using captions and enhanced audio with the means of directly downloading their access solution. For more on this service and how it came to be, check out the episode when I speak with one of the founders. Theaters, unfortunately, just aren't that excited about buying more equipment to make stuff accessible, which is a really, really unfortunate truth. That kind of stuff is starting to happen, and I can't help but think that this is an opportunity with the popularity of podcasts, audiobooks, and how easily accessible those are, that this audio description is kind of in that same world. Commuters who happen to be sighted can enjoy the experience of audio description, and that can only help the audience to get more opportunities to look forward to enjoying it. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> it was nice to hear that Roy and I share a mutual excitement for audio description. It made for a good conversation. Not only did I appreciate hearing his enthusiasm for the subject, but listening to him really accentuates his ability to employ several styles in his narration work. Roy says he tailors his voice to the genre. I got to be a part of the, the stories. I can't sound happy and joyous all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you're enjoying a television show or movie with audio description, and you find yourself thinking, that voice sounds familiar. 
There's only one way to be certain. Wait until the end of the credits, and you hear? Read by Roy Samuelson. You can connect with Roy on social media, on Twitter, at Roy Samuelson. That's R-O-Y-S-A-M-U-E-L-S-O-N. On Facebook, you can find him as Roy Samuelson Biz. Or visit RoySamuelson.com. Audio description isn't new. The lack of AD in movies and television programming over the years since its creation amounts to exclusion. Many in the blind and low vision community feel as though movies are just not for them. In 2019, however, there's lots of reasons to give television and movies with audio description a try. We have the 21st Century Telecommunications Act on our side, leading to more content. And we have multiple accessible ways of consuming that content. If you haven't yet experienced AD, either in your home or in the theater, I urge you, give it a try. It's not just entertaining television and movies. More documentaries are including description, something I'm personally happy to see. The process of making video accessible should not be inaccessible to the community it looks to serve. Blind and low vision people should have access to these opportunities. Blind people come from all backgrounds. We're black. Hispanic, Asian, Native, as well as white. We're straight, gay, lesbian, transgender. As we call for television and movies to be more reflective of our society, so should the voices that describe them to us. How do you feel about audio description? Holla back. We have the comments section on the blog, readmymind.com. The email, readmymindradio at gmail.com. The Read My Mind Radio feedback line, where you can leave a voicemail. 570-798-7343. That's 570-798-7343. If you don't want to call, you can grab your smartphone and record a voice memo. Voice and email the finished record. recording Here. to at gmail.com. If you want to send a message but don't want it shared, just say so. It's all good. We're going to continue to explore audio description as we move through 2019. So my best advice to you to make sure that you don't miss that and everything else we have in store. Subscribe. subscribe. Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Spotify. Subscribe. Google Podcasts. Subscribe. SoundCloud. Subscribe. Stitcher. TuneIn Radio. Or wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe. subscribe. And remember, you can always visit ReadMyMind.com. That's R to the E-I-D. Like my last name. Cut to black. Peace.